As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen I'm never quitting on my mission, I'ma roll with what I'm giving Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing Better watch the way you going, better go in the right direction In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings And I know that for certain, keep on working, open curtains Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version I'm never gon' give up, give up Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah Cause this is my road you're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHHLP 103.5 SM, your home for community radio. Salutations, New Haven. Salutations, Connecticut. Salutations to the world and salutations to all the daddy old puppeteers out there. And we've got a great show for you today. The Three Musketeers of Fun, and they seem to have brought all kinds of friends with them. So it could be a wild time, but it's definitely going to be some fun. So I'm going to start off first saying thank you to 103.5 FM New Haven for this time, for Harry being our engineer, Tom Fricklin giving us our time, and thank you, New Haven. And now I'll start, I'll move us, I'll ask our guests to introduce themselves, and I'll start with Carol, move to Michael, and then to Daniel. All right, Carol, you're on. Hi, I'm Carol Glynn. I'm a performer. I do residencies with students. I write plays with students. I My big thing is bringing the curriculum out and putting it on its feet so that everybody can participate in it and move around while they're learning. At the same time, they get to boost their own self-confidence and learn to work together. So I do that in about 50 million different ways. <laughs> to narrow it. All right. Hey, we've got cheers. Michael, how about you? Tell us a little bit about, oh, you should also tell me a little bit about your passion. I forgot about that, Carol. So we'll come back to you about what your passion is. Go ahead, right. Michael. You'll start. Uh, good afternoon or good morning, everyone. I'm Michael Wilson. I'm with uh, the Hive Builders. And this is Dig B, you know, of the economy. And we sit down and we present the image of fathering and community and dadding um, as the Hive Builders. So one of the things that we push... Uh, as you see the moniker right here, the daddy man and the daddy yo. So we really try to, you know, push the whole idea of father, not just for being a father, but dadding. What is the nurturing component of being a father? Um, and we do it in a way where we use puppets, stories and other games um, and activities to captivate the minds of children. All within right. us all. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Daniel? Yes, and I am Daniel M. Howell, also with the Hive Builders. I go by the moniker Daddy Different, uh, and that makes us the Daddy-O's. Uh, and I'm here representing the concept of uh, the bee economy, where you're being the best of you and I'm being the best of me. This idea of who we are, not what we are. We know in school very early on, uh, teachers are asking, what do you want to be? What do you want to be when you grow up? And that's a projection into the future, and it's wonderful to think that way. But with all the things we're struggling with in just one, connecting and getting along, um, our decision was to decide to focus on supporting children and understanding who they're going to be daily. That's the bee economy. You being the best of you, me being the best of me, the bee economy. Well, Daddy, can I can I can I share my my model, the dig be model? Your model. You can can say we your all model. say the dig be model? The dig be model. Good, better, best. 
Good, better, best. Never let it rest. Never let it rest. Till the good gets better. Till the good gets better. And the better gets best. And the better gets best. Can you dig it? Let it be dug, That's baby. Right That's right. Now, when I say, can you dig it? You say, let it be dug. Can you dig it? Let, let it be dug. Ah, uh, this, let it is dug. All right. So, what I'm going to move to think, well, first of all, we need to acknowledge that play, when we think about trauma in children's lives, the first three therapies are art, music, and movement. And now three guests today, this is what they do. You are walking, living, breathing therapy to children and adults and to teachers. And so, and it's a thing that's so sorely needed uh, when I think about what's going on in our schools right now. Play, it's sort of, let's speed everything up. Let's let's get, you know, concern on test scores and more testing. And, and I'm just so pleased to have three musketeers of fun today. So Carol, can you tell us a little bit more? What do you do if, if, I, if you came to my school? What do you do? You come, you bake us cookies or something? No, no, well, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I come and I do, I could do an assembly on a couple of different topics and all my assemblies and things that I perform bring all kinds of students up. I do ones on the, right now, right now I'm doing the constitution. I'm doing a show on the government. I'm doing Connecticut legends. I'm doing all of these productions, but they bring up all the kids. So they get to be part of it. So not only do we sing about it, we act it out, we sort of personify it, but then the kids get to remember that the constitution was played by Larry. And so they have a connection to it and they have fun like that. I also do tons of workshops. Um, sometimes I do full scale productions. I'll come into the school and I'll write a play with the students. We'll take a part of the curriculum and we'll bring it to life. And every single part of it has a part. And we and we act it out. And we, over about 10 sessions, we then present it to people. Um, I do a lot of that. I I used to do about, before the pandemic, I was at about 40, 44 full class productions a year. I would do that. I also do workshops where I just come in and, and I'm starting one on indigenous uh, tribes coming up. And we're going to be learning about all the tribes and, and students are going to be comparing and contrasting them by sort of creating their own big giant Venn diagrams where they get to move around with the students. So we do all kinds of things like that. I also am the educational program manager of the Connecticut Storytelling Center. So we send storytellers out to help students uh, learn the concepts of reading and listening and retelling and visualizing and and we play lots of games with them and and it's for all ages and it's a busy life <laughs> and these are definitely insights into ways to produce higher thinking order skills in kids so that's absolutely, absolutely. Uh, play is the highest form of creativity so let's let's think about michael and and daniel before i come to you john dewey over a hundred years ago. So he's always the progressive educator. We hold up in the light and we say, here's, you know, the father of progressive education, uh, child-centered education. And Dewey had an interesting idea about children coming to school. He said, you know how we talk about we need to get children ready to come to school? Dewey said every child is born ready for school, ready to learn. They have four native impulses to question, to build, to communicate, and to reflect. And he said, every child comes to school. And then people used to always ask him, well, what's wrong with school today? And he's saying, school. So <laughs> I think when I'm listening to the three of you today, 
what I'm hearing is honoring that student center approach. And Dewey knew that, that that not only was a way to make kids smile and have fun, but it was the way to release the creative juices that lead to higher thinking orders. So, so uh, Michael and, and Michael, let's tell us what, what, what does it you do? What you two are down in some kind of grant in Waterbury right now, right? You drove all the way up here from Waterbury. Yeah? I hope you drove the speed limit now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, you did. You did. You did. All right. So tell tell me about this Waterbury project. Either one of you, you can you can join together. You're both together. So through um uh the bridge to success, um they are developing. Well, they have developed over the last five years a program called Boost. It's a community school dynamic that's leveraging all the resources, um, partners, and stakeholders in the community to come around and create a 360 kind of wrap of services for not just the school or children, but that impact family and in turn affect the community development. Um, so we submitted a proposal from the concept of what we, what we design in our company as Hive Builders to start to create that, that hive within the context of one of the schools through our program that we have called Being Community, uh, a pun on, on bees again. Um, so the Daddios Being Community, and we're coming in to help kids understand what it means to connect, right? More than make contact. Today, in this world of social media, right now, we are, we've made contact through um, this, this digital platform that is Zoom, um, but, as much as we're sharing our voices and our stories, uh, the connection isn't quite there, although we've made contact. Um, I want We wanna support them in understanding how they connect as individuals for common goals as the hive. As we know for bees, they all come together for one sole reason, their purpose, to create a hive that thrives. That's their main objective, a hive that thrives. And um, I love what you were saying about Dewey and his four principles. And in those four principles, I was hearing it and I thought of just one, uh, feeling a sense of purpose. Children are looking for the direction of what they feel is their purpose, whether it be singularly in that day to make a new friend or to, to, to experience a laugh, a smile, or to learn something new. They're purpose-driven, so they have no choice but to gather, collect, uh, uh, and receive all this information. So yes, Dewey is absolutely right. They're already coded to learn. They're already ready. Uh, so as the Hive Builders, we've gone into Waterbury uh, to bring to the school this concept of the beehive and bring it to life. One line at a time, one mind at a time, one home at a time, one comb at a time. And we're able to do this again by creating fun and engaging activities and like Helen said, using the puppets, being able to give them a persona that they can identify with, captivating their theta, captivating their imagination. Um, also, you know, um, let's not avoid the elephant in the room. We are two black men coming into school systems, you know, and a lot of times as we've been doing that, we're realizing that the children uh, have a need for that, that male bonding. And they need some nurturing. And so the good thing about the puppets is a way that the kids can get a nurturing being into an intercessory so that they can get a hug or a high five and get that nurturing that they need. And and because they're using their imagination, they actually believe the puppets are real at that younger age. 
And it's a good way that we use it also for therapeutic role play. You know, we're able to use the puppets to get the kids to share their emotions. They'll be more likely to share their emotions with a puppet, you know, a character that, that's, that they can relate to in their imagination than a human being, because sometimes it might have been a real person that may have caused a trauma or they, you know, or, or something like that. So we're able to use the puppets to really delve into some of the deeper issues at home that then we can provide a solution for. So perfect. So I'm going to, I'm going to come to Carol and, and, but I'm going to come right back to you fellas. <laughs> so, and the idea is that in literacy, we don't really just talk reading and writing. We talk speaking, listening. Those are the scaffolds to comprehension for reading and writing. And we talk about visually viewing and visually presenting. So when I think about your work, Carol, that's what I see. I see kids, they're, they're, they're speaking, they're listening, they're reading, they're writing, they're performing, and they're looking at visuals. So tell us how, the, do, we call that in my secondary uh, literacy course, disciplinary literacy for high school teachers, I call them the academic foundations of learning. We don't even confuse it with literacy. We say, you can't learn anything without without listening, without speaking, without reading, without writing and visually viewing and presenting. So do those things fit into you or you do you have oh, absolutely. academic skills? Absolutely. At at the storytelling center we have we tell these stories we tell stories and have the kids kids who are not reading yet to visualize the characters while we're telling the story. And and if they draw us pictures, they're all different because they visualize their own, which is really, really fun. And they get to listen. And that's kind of what you need to do if you're if you're reading, you're not just reading yeah. the words and getting the words. You need to visualize and have the movie going on in your mind. And that's what makes you want to go back to read. When it comes to acting out, I do a lot of um, work at the very beginning with telling students that actors and actresses put details on their bodies. They put in their voices and make their voices change, their faces change, their posture change so they could be something else. So then they, we all become what we're talking about. So they're not only visualizing, they're creating it. And they all, and and the, that with all the adrenaline and excitement about presenting and performing it for each other, just in their own classes um, or, for, or, or for a different class or perhaps their school or their parents, it brings them to the point where they kind of own it. Um, and, and they add in their own ideas to everything that we're doing. And we discuss it. How, you know, should we add this? Does that make sense? So we're all sort of working on it together so that it's our group project. And then we present it and share it with somebody else. And then we become teachers who share it with other people. So we not, we're definitely reading and speaking and retelling and visualizing and becoming. We are doing it. So, and they remember it for the rest of their lives. People tell me all the time, you know, the people at the high school give their speeches and they go, when I was in this grade, I was in a play. Because they remember it forever because it's part of them now. So, so if we thought it before I go into Michael to do we call that thing when 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 we put positive emotional connections to what we're learning. There's a a, a, a term in psychology called hot cognition, and hot cognition is when we have positive emotional connections, and that learning stays with us long term. Whereas cold cognitions are those things like hey, we're going to have a spelling test on Friday, practice these five words, and blah blah blah, and then spell them and forget them on Monday. So <laughs> that's what we're talking about here, Michael. Uh, you always come to me to talk about literacy. You never really talk about these puppets. What's going <laughs> on? Tell me how they're mingled together. So one of the things that we do in, um, with the High Builders is we have a thing with the Daddios, the Re Daddios Reading Railroad. 
um, in which we come in and we take them to destinations such as the Beconomy, Grio World, you know, Grandma's Place. So these are destinations to captivate their imagination. So as you know, with Grio World, we use the storytelling with the puppets through the the the, the character of the the, the jelly or the the, the Grio um, to tell the stories of the people, whether it's through fables, through myths, through legends. And that way we find that you know, the stories captivate the children's mind. It takes them to a place they've never been before. You know, so, you know, books, you know, really are a gateway to the world and beyond. You know, I remember growing up reading books and that right there, you know, would take my mind away. Even though I couldn't travel physically, I was able to read a book and be captured and taken into a world. And then as, you know, we bring in the puppets, you know, and like, like you were saying earlier, you know, as we read to the kids, you know, when we're up there reading, you know, we're reading with fluency, we're reading with expression, so kids can understand, okay, you know, you know, you can't just sit up there and be monotonous when you're reading, because you're going to put the kids to sleep. So we figure if we have the puppets, we use our voices to project, you know, so forth. That's modeling for the kids. And the fact that when they see you know, men who are nurturing and kind. We have re readers who are strugglers, but because they feel nurtured, they will still come up and get in front of the class and get over their fears of, you know, speaking in public. So, and and, and getting that nurturing that the, their, their peers are going to help them and encourage them to read and get stronger. So these programs right here through the puppets, through the, the whole idea of being mindful, and like you said, that hot cognition, instilling the kids with positive thoughts all the time. And and we use, uh, rhythmically, we, we obviously <coughs> use and activate that through song. Um, Mike mentioned uh, the reading, the reading railroad, railroad. right? Um, uh, story, story train, reading railroad. And um, so we decided to come up with a little ditty that leads us into um, that, that station. Um, we should bring of all nations. Here's your invitation. It's time for the story train. Ba -da -ba -da -ba. Your imagination sets the destination when you're on the story train. Come on and get on the story train. Won't you come and play? Get on board today and let's explore on the story train get your ticket come and play so it goes in with the three s's you know sight sound and song you know um and especially we're dealing with uh the younger kids and you know that's how they pretty much learn like you said they, they sight the sound and the sun but we put it in include it with the song it stays into the cognition it gets embedded and it, it, it's catchy, and now they're singing it, and without them knowing, they're building the, the, the muscle memory and the learning and the sights and the sounds and the songs. So we're, we're making that, that, that social-emotional connection to our learners, and we're doing, if I go back and I pick up Michael's book, Daniel, start seeing, you know, uh, the four Bs, B for good night, and then we start understanding, and I read through this book, there's also a lot of positive behavioral messages to how kids should should act and behave and full of respect and love and dignity in in the in in there. So that's that's an important piece. So I want to come back, Michael, I'm gonna ask you, you've got a unique story. I, I live in Elmwood. So all of a sudden one day 
this thing came up, the, the what do you call it, the West Offit Batch. And all of a sudden, I, I see this guy, he's got like a truck. Looks like, a, like a, with all kinds of those images behind you with puppets and bees and all that coming up. And they're telling me all about this, this Daniel Morell. And I said, wow, this is a really cool stuff, a series of books. So tell us, you did that during COVID? Is that how you began this? So I, I'm actually the author of The Four Bees Before Goodnight. Daniel Daniel M. Howell. Oh, okay, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, that was that was my um well, I call it the buzz buggy. And um obviously all the puns on on you know the word B and the characters, the bees. And that's actually how Mike and I came together. Uh there was an interview being done at the time, uh CT Insider, and um Michael happened to be driving by. And was intrigued by you know this colorful buggy on on the roadside, and was obedient enough to stop and inquire. Um, and you know we got to meet each other and learned that we both use monikers you know that start with daddy. Daddy different is my moniker, and he's daddy man. Um, during COVID, uh, the impetus for this book came as a result of me failing as a dad. Um, I recognized that um, one night, having been very aggressive, uh, frustrated, and, and aggravated with my, my three boys at the time, who were three, five, and six, um, as, as primary dad, 25 hours a day, eight days a week, the chaos in COVID of, of you know, what it meant to be primary, um, I just didn't have an understanding of, of, of what it meant to... to uh, make that transition you know society tells us that um our roles as as men as as males as fathers um are to provide um however covid does, does, does not listen to to what those roles were and um decided hey whoever needs to step in needs to step in and in that time that was me uh and it didn't bode well um in the first phase of of that um so failing one night I'm in the mirror doing some self-inventory, something that I regularly do, crying. And I was just saying to myself that I was 41 and, and there's no way that what I was dealing with internally should be taken out on my boys. It's my job to do my own uh, uh, mental health care in my time, um, but not allow that to impact and affect them. So as a result of, of, of me making that decision, I decided that day I needed to do things differently. And, and found online a, an amazing framework of bedtime um, uh, coined by Dr. Laura Jana, um, an article from healthychildren.org that presented the four Bs as a, as a process to establish um, bedtime routine. Uh, this this process is certified by the American Academy of Pediatrics. Um, and as I'm reading through this journal, I'm like, the four Bs, I have three boys and I've been doing bedtime for almost five years. Why have I never heard of this process? Why is this so, um, you know, uh, foreign to me as a dad of, of three boys? So after, you know, doing a little research on it and, and, and deciding, hey, you know, let me try this thing. Uh, one night I say to the boys, hey, guys, let's get our bees started. And they're like, what do you mean, a bees? And I'm like, well, everything we do at night starts with a bee. What's the first thing we do? Bath. And they're like, oh, yeah, it does start with a bee. I said, what do we do next? Uh, we brush our teeth. What does that start with? A bee. Then we read a book. Go to bed. Bath, brush, 
book bed. It's the four B bedtime routine bath brush book bed. Come on, kids, learn all of the bees bath brush book bed. Hygiene, yes, we've made it fun. Bath brush book bed. It's time now we get it done. It became the culture of our bedtime. And I decided in that moment to be a different dad than the defaulted dad I was being prior to making this mindset change. The book was written as a result of that to, to bring application to the concept so that it could apply to so that it could apply to families. Because a journal is one thing. To apply it into the home and give application to it was something that I didn't have. That was what I created. And I wanted a guide that would support families and understanding how to also create culture of bedtime, right? Our agenda of bedtime is something we want to do. We want to get kids in the bed. That's not their agenda. <laughs> but if we create an environment that supports and nurtures how that final phase of the day concludes, the four Bs, before good night, you can actually live into that good night because that's what you're representing, the good in the final phase of the day. Good night. We love it. We love it. And I love that idea. I also love the idea that we have a, a, a media that tends to like pocket people. So here I have two positive black dads doing amazing things, helping motivate kids, taking care of their own children uh, and, and uh, you know, just engaging and, 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 and lifting the spirits of all people easy to understand that it reminds me before we go to Carol, my wife tutors at an elementary school in New Britain and two of the little kids, two first graders who are the best of friends in her class. One happens to be Jewish and one happens to be Palestinian. Think about it in today's world. And she just came home yesterday and said, they don't even know what's going on. They just can't be separated. And I'm thinking that's, that's part of the, the stuff that play and art and music. If, if we could bring more of that to school, oh my gosh. Carol, uh, you know, let, let's just say, you know, we, we also, you got a book too? You know, I do. Yeah, I was just going to grab it. Yeah, I have one. We got it. We got it. One of the things just this one, our, our friend Barry Lane, I met him at a, at a hot schools conference and he was sharing ideas and I kept sharing ideas and he came up and said, <laughs> He said, you need to go on the road with me. Do you have a book? And I said, no. And he said, well, start writing. So uh, so I have a book. This has, has ingredient games in it, which which I like. They're games that a whole class can play. Um, you get them on their feet. You move the desk aside or you go into a room with space. And they play this game and they learn the game. But then you can put in anything that you're studying. And they all sort of... they. Um, they all sort of guide their way to what kinds of things you're studying. I have ones that work for short answers, one that work for acting things out, one, but those are fun. So you can, and they, once the kids learn them, they ask to play them. So if you have five minutes left and you can't quite do anything or they're antsy and they're not listening, you can play an ingredient game with them, but still include what you're trying to study. It also has all kinds of ideas from K, K through eight um, across uh, all the curriculums of ideas of things that you can do that then lead to others. When I go back into a school, they say, well, we changed it. I go, fabulous. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> and they learn how to how to act it out and make new things that way. Um, Barry and I decided we had to end with K through eight because otherwise teachers would get a hernia trying to carry the book around. Um, <laughs> but, we get it. We get it. 
Excellent. So what I'm, of course, that's the what's, other thing. Go ahead, Carol. No, 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 finish. What's the other thing? What, what, the, the other thing I want people to know is that the three of you not only offer uh, activities to engage and, and motivate learning with children, but you have a lot to offer to our teachers in our schools who are often being pushed to push play, to push imagination, to push push movement, to, to, to separate music, if, if it's there. One of the things I have schools now without music, I have schools now without art teachers, I have schools now without school libraries. I'm talking elementary schools in that time. So, but, but one of the things that I, I just wanna make sure that the public understands that you, all of you, offer the opportunity to help, help, help not only, only children, work with children, but work with teachers. And what I could imagine, I've, 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 I've seen this before, so I know Barry Lane. So when Barry Lane does something at Elizabeth Green in elementary school in, in, in Newington, he'll do one of these assemblies and stuff and all the teachers in the back of the room. And for about 45 minutes, they don't have to do anything except sit back. And I usually sit back with them and they're all smiling and laughing. They'll usually try to get into some of the songs. And I remember, uh, Amy Ancero from Elizabeth Green saying, hey, this is really cool. I like this too and stuff. And Amy does do yoga with reading, all kinds of interesting things. But I did want, I want to make sure that the public understands this is not only about being a good father, uh, bringing joy into, into, into our classroom, but this is about creating uh, a possibility of the broader curriculum that that produces human beings who get along, who love each other, who respect each other, and and definitely the adults in the room need that, you know. So I just wanted to do that. So let me ask, I'll, 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 since you're on the screen right now, Carol, tell me where you're going with all this. Where do you want to go with this? I uh, that's an interesting question. But before the pandemic, I, I I just I keep moving to new places. I I want people to. Uh, have the tools, teachers, to have the tools that they need, as you were just saying, to be able to go and teach, teach what they need to teach, but also be able to make it fun. I think education should be fun. I think we've, and I think when, when uh, duties and tasks and goals and testing and everything gets piled on top, they forget to have fun. But the thing is, it's not just fun. It's fun that's totally intertwined with what everybody's studying and what they need to learn so that they come out and they learn They've worked together. They're more confident. Everybody's enjoying it more. Um, as you said, what's wrong with school? School. We need to make it fun. And I and I we've we've been. I feel like after the pandemic, and that's the reason I keep bringing it up, is that the pressure of bringing kids back to where they used to be, plus everything, is, is sort of squished everything back down. And I feel like we've gone back a tiny little bit. In, in the scope of belief of how this can be fun. So I'm sort of going back to my roots and going, come on, <laughs> we can do this. Let's take this. We can, If we could take this and make it fun, if we could take multiplication tables and make them really exciting, then we could do that. Or we take concepts and cultures and learning about people, but we have to do it in a way that the kids gain self-esteem and they take care of each other. And if, it, and if we can do that, if we can get that going where people, kids are excited to go to school, people are excited to learn, people are excited to move forward and grow, that, that, that's what I want. <laughs> so that's what you want. That's what we're going. The whole world, yeah. Like, 
<laughs> and 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 the more we could and and all I'm reminding people is we're we're talking about a natural way of learning that has been with society for millions of years. So when I I, I love to work in my garden because that's where I learned in the garden with my grandfather pulling weeds, digging, working. And because he was singing, we always had something good to eat, you know, and he always made me feel good. Somehow I didn't realize I was sweating. My hands were getting dirty. My mother was going to yell because my clothes were getting dirty. And my <laughs> grandmother was saying, get him out of the mud. My grandfather was saying, a little mud, you know, it's good for you. You know, that kind of sense. So now I want to go, Michael and, and, and uh, Daniel, could you tell us where do you two want to go with this? I know you're in Waterbury right now, but like I'm thinking, we need a new Mr. Rogers. I think I think I, I think I'm seeing it here. I'm thinking, you know, rather than Mr. Rogers, we got the new Daddy O's on. So talk Mr. To Rogers Michael meets Levar Burton, and you have the Daddy O's. <laughs> so would you would you so tell me Waterbury, right? Because what when I when I think about it's it's actually all three of you. There's only so much of you to go around, so I'm always thinking about. How do we somehow create, you know, sort of like the the uh, the peers that create new peers? So I get some of that in in uh, learning on their feet. That's the idea of telling teachers in the classroom. You can do this too. So so Daniel, tell us what should teachers take away from you if you were to uh, move this message to not just helping kids, but helping the teachers in in our schools. So um, I want I want to segue this to Mike, but uh, before I do, right, that's essentially what the B economy <laughs> represents, right? We, we've we've taken the concept of how we understand bees to be the most uh, essential insect to our ecosystem, and recognizing how they're the model of cooperation and collaboration, um, and we decided to create a program based on that model called. The B Brigade. The B Brigade. And, and the B Brigade, we are looking to establish a model that does exactly what you were describing and starts to create a training module where we are building um, programs that are uh, supported, funded, and facilitated by other daddios. So we're, we're taking the, the learning on your feet. We're taking this concept of of um, puppeteering, of the therapy therein, and these ideas of mindful being, you know, in advance of any hope for outcome, there are all the things we do before those outcomes. In advance of any hope for outcome, there are things we do before that outcome. Before this, before that, learning made sticky, like honey splat. <laughs> Mike, tell them a little bit more about the, the B Brigade. So with the B Brigade, um, one of the things that schools, uh, like, like we're saying, have been dealing with since the shutdown and the pandemic is uh, absenteeism. So the reason why we created the B Brigade is because we wanted the children to feel a sense of belonging as well as a sense of accountability uh, so that we can then, you know, we help gradually, you know, seeing a reduction in absenteeism. Um, again, by being able to have a curriculum that can uh, supplement what the teachers are doing, it makes their job easier. Um, but, uh, you know, so we let them know that our curriculum isn't designed to give them more work, but to supplement and enhance what they're doing 
So we're teaching this children. So like Daniel said, one of our first programs is Before You Learn. So again, so many of our, the students today, because of uh, being homeschooled, not being, they don't know what it means to be a student, how to be a student. So you can't sit down and expect them to get results if they don't know how, but what is that process? So one of the things we're gonna be focusing on is you know, giving the students the, you know, a sense of fun, why they want to learn, like you said, about the whole four cores of how children are, are born to learn and wanting to learn. So we're just gonna ride that momentum you know, with the economy, giving them the brigade. And the other thing is having incentives and not, not all monetary, but just a award for things that they've earned. Not so much just because, but not you were not only just coming, but also being engaged because we don't want you here and having a bad attitude because again, that's going to what? Cause, you know, the, the, the hive not to thrive. You know, that energy, that attitude. We want to talk about what do bees get? They go out and they get the pollen. Pollen to create what? Nectar. Nectar is sweet. I don't know anybody who's had bitter honey. It's sweet. And why is it sweet? Because, again, everybody is on one accord, like Daniel said, to produce a hive that thrives, that produces wonderful, sweet honey. And that's all we're trying to do. We're saying, listen, the learning that you're getting is your pollen. And what you share and how you apply it is your nectar. So one of the programs that we do have to deal and show the, the you know, is what we call the sharing. So um, at the end of the week, the kids will take home what they've learned and literally share it with their parents. But in this context, the roles are reversed. The child already has the information. So through word anagrams, um, uh, different types of um, questions or riddles, the child is the holder of the answer but the, the, the parent now becomes the, the, uh, the student and they play that role in opposites to share what it is the child has learned, but also working on and, and create that continuity of learning as a principle of what they've learned. The parent is now introduced to this concept and now can fulfill how that concept is delivered from school to home and hopefully back into the community. That's the secular nature of how it is we've established our program to support the child, to support the family, and, and hopefully therein support the community. Um, and we do that uh, uh, by creating a dynamic where the kids identify, the B Brigade is about them identifying with what it means to be a part of a hive. So one of the first things we do in the first month is to establish their identity. Who are you going to be in the B economy? Right here, this is Faze B. He's the favorite B of the economy. He's an advocate of environmental justice. You've already met Dig B, right? And we have a host of characters who all have a pun on their name, a character called Be Nice, a character called Just B. We even have an antagonist, B Partisan. <laughs> He's the mayor of the B economy. <laughs> He's the right? mayor. So, we, we have these ways to introduce these, these larger concepts, but it's done in a very fun, visual, and attractive way. And once the kids see themselves in the economy, they're connecting. They're recognizing they're a part of something larger than themselves. And therein, we can get them excited about coming back together to learn these fun concepts, ways in which are delivered off their feet, learning on their feet. I'm sorry, not off their feet, on their feet. Sorry about that. And, um, you know, making it engaging. Uh, and we pass it over to you, 
Well, well, I do want to add one other thing going back to why we got Dig B, because again, we also work with the archaeology laboratory here at uh, Central Connecticut State University to teach the kids archaeology. If kids can say dinosaur, Tyrannosaurus Rex, they can say archaeology, they can say artifact, and we can teach them these concepts. Uh, one of the things that we're going to be doing is teaching the kids about the life of Mr. Fortune. Um, and tying it in. So we tie in stories that are related to their community. So not only are they reading about it or, in a, or hearing about it in a story or a book, but now they can actually go someplace in their community and say, this person actually lived here. This is something that now I can relate to. It's just not something in a book. But hey, if this person can overcome these obstacles and this time, and I know we have obstacles, but it's not as bad as it was then, how can we then, you know, move forward and, you know, thrive in this world that sometimes doesn't seem to want us to thrive? So, Carol? Yes. Carol, so I'm wondering about, you had mentioned quickly earlier on, you mentioned the Constitution. Yes. So I'm wondering, are there social studies connections to the stuff you're doing? You have oh. in your book, you say across the curriculum. Well, yes, you did do so a little the, math. The Constitution uh, starts with I created it because a librarian asked me. I was doing my legend show in her school, and she said they needed to celebrate the Constitution, and they liked my legend show, so they wanted that. So I've been doing it for a while, um, and but I do it all year, and it's for all grades. But the point after that, you can go into. I often have follow up workshops in classrooms where we talk about the three branches of government. We have games where we try to pass a bill and we pass a bill in the classroom. We don't pass a bill like, you know, we and, and we have a veto and we and we explain how it all works by making all the kids be part of the government. We have leaves for, for uh, legislators and leaves for judges and a president. We set it all up so they act things out that way. We also, um, we're moving in this last week, I presented this in a school and we're doing it sort of as a, there's a timeline song that takes us from, when we were mostly uh, the the Europeans came over and became colonists, and it was the colonist view of what happens in order, what happened first, when the, when the Declaration came, and and all of those things later. So we started out this unit, and now we're going to be working on indigenous tribes, but we're going to take the timeline with all the pictures of the kids, and make our own timeline of what the colonists were doing, and then go back and put in what the tribes were doing at the same time, and how this was interacting with each other, and moving it that way. Um, so, but we have fun. I we have, I bring all these kids up and we sing the preamble. I explain what the I describe it as the opening paragraph, thesis paragraph, the most famous of all time. We sing and we set them all up and talk about how each kid is. A, I dress them up before they come, um, and they and they they represent each part of the constant of the preamble. And then I sing the preamble in itself. And then I sing the version that makes sense to us. So the version that makes sense to us might make more sense at this point. It goes, we, the people, we, the people live in 13 colonies, want to create one country where we can be free, set up some rules and laws to help us get along smoothly, protect ourselves from others who might be angry. We want our people to be happy, to respect each other and enjoy being free, not just us, but our children to be, to create and present you this constitution of the United States of America. And by the time 
we've done that. Thank you. And by the time I've explained all the parts, they're all in costume. We have a, a colonist and we have a policeman and we have a soldier and we have somebody wearing a, 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 a graduation hat and carrying a basket with food and money because we want that's what we want for our people. We have a Statue of Liberty and we have a parent with kids and then somebody. So we explain all those parts and by the time they get it, they kind of understand and it's not just this elusive thing that they hear about. Uh, but then we tie it in across the board and have them have learn history and where we were and how that how that works. I had a kid fall off his chair once in a classroom because he thought the the terms representation with taxation without representation was a hilarious concept. He literally <laughs> fell off. I'm like, I can't see how that's funny, but apparently he did. <laughs> so it could be it could be funny, you know, over there. Oh, oh, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. We so, try to throw in humor all the time. Yeah. Because that helps right. everybody learn. Yes. So I'm going to bring us to this concept that I often will talk to talk to administrators and teachers about the hidden curriculum. And I'll say, what's the hidden curriculum? I'll say the regular curriculum is boring, static. Uh, it's, it's meaningful, but it's hard to get through to kids. So I'll say, what's the hidden curriculum? That's when we do a little smoke and mirrors. That's when we bring in our puppets. That's when we bring in our music. That's when we bring our art. That's where we we get to those things. Carol, you she mentioned the HOTS conference, uh, schools HOTS conference. Well, that's not about hot pants schools. No, no, no. <laughs> that's about higher thinking orders. Order higher order thinking schools. Higher thinking order skills. That's the stuff we're talking about here because what, what I'm hearing is a hidden curriculum that Michael, that Daniel, and you are delivering uh, critical content in a way that kind of kind of inspires deeper and further learning. It, it's what we want. It's that 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 concept. So we're we're coming down. You know, we 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 we've got about probably Harry's going to start turning in in about ten minutes. We got a little time. Don't worry. I'm just kind of getting us down there. But what I what I what I'd like to do now and start with Daniel. Go to Michael. Then go to Carol. It's sort of one to two minutes. What would be your message to teachers and parents today? So let, let's let's start with Daniel. We'll pull him back on. And and Daniel, you got to show us that that you know the fade B. He was hidden down in the corner by you there. <laughs> uh, so my message to um that's this is fade B. <laughs> um, and uh, what he's teaching is um mindfulness around our waste management. His concept is called before you trash it. And what, what I want to um, instill uh, through this concept of the B economy is, is honestly an acute awareness of self in relation to others, right? They're the choices we get to make because we have the freedom to choose. However, we're not always making choices as it relates to the impact on others. So the B economy is about recognizing the mindfulness of, of self-awareness, but understanding it in relation to the economy of those individuals impacted by it, right? You being the best of you, me being the best of me um, in a place where we all are collectively, hopefully being our best. Um, uh, the content is based on uh, transitional development. Uh, we have stories that start with before good night. Um, uh, obviously the night is over. So what do we need to do? Get ready to go before we go, um, before we make friends, uh, before we travel, uh, before you spend it, right? So it, it's the span of development that our young people are going through, conceptualizing the, in the concept of hives, 
uh, where these bees are telling these stories. Um, uh, uh, inside the hive, one bee is merry, expecting a visit from the tooth fairy, who comes around in times of our youth and leaves us money because we've lost a tooth. Before you spend it, before we make friends, this you should know, being kind helps friendship grow, sharing, no hitting. Last, don't think twice. To be a good friend, simply be nice. Before you go, before we go, uh, before we go, the other four things. Oh, before you go, these four things we must do. Daddy knows four. Can you tell me two? Wash up and get dressed. What a great guest. Then we will eat and clean our mess. Transitional development. I want I want parents to understand, children to understand, um, the world to understand what it is that we do before the outcome we hope for is what's important. So being more self-aware in relation to the objective you have or the impact you are having on others. Mike? Um, yeah, to go along with that, again, one of the things that we really want to, to get out there uh, are four, four letters, L-O-V-E, love. I mean, you know, how do we, you know, sit down and mend what's going on in our communities? How do we, you know, get, get, get the, all, all, all the stakeholders in the community to care about one another, not just in words, but in action. And the only way you can do that is by, you know, sits instilling, like Daniel says, the who. We have to go about beyond the what in this materialist society and get to the substance of who we are. Because once we understand that, I believe that right now, you know, as we were talking about the constitution, it is not a moral document. It is a great government document but it has no morality mm. and that's what we're missing. So we need to sit down and become the who and get an amendment to put morality and humanity in the constitution so that our policy isn't profit over humanity, but that humanity is profitable. So, so we've got, we've got that piece now, Carol, if you had a <laughs> message for them. For, for teachers, I, I would say to try to include fun and activities in what you're doing. You're getting so much pressure to just get it done in a tiny little amount of time. But if you can set it up, you can do it with, you don't have to have fun be separate from learning. You can mix it all together so that they can actually learn. Because in my experience and watching what I've been doing for this such a long time, the kids really nail and they remember it so much better if they if they own it, if they are part of it, if they've done it. I think for parents, you mentioned parents, Jesse, I think to borrow from my friends here, be present, uh, be, <laughs> put your phone down. Um, I have, I've written a, a play you know, about putting your phone down kids are showing them what they're missing and and how you know while you were doing that we were doing this and the kids come up with all these different things and short we throw some curriculum in there but that's uh but but just to be present and have some fun and enjoy it i think life especially these days is so hectic and so crazy and so hard but not if, but if you take the moment and be present with your kid, that's what they're going to remember. They're going to remember that you sang silly songs with them on the way to school, that you did these things with them. As Jesse said, I was in the garden with my grandfather. You still remember that. Those things are the things that actually count. Um, and, you know, so what if they have two sandwiches because you put one in the wrong bag when they got there? You know, be there and be yourself and be present. That would be. <laughs> All right. So we've got be present. We've got have fun. Uh, and, and so when, when, when I'm looking at, 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 at this concept, it shouldn't be revolutionary, no. but it is revolutionary 
in a nation that spends $2 billion on standardized testing each year that doesn't come back. The results don't come back until the students are in the next grade. Mm -hmm. So that would be like your doctor finding out that you had some critical, took an x-ray or uh, a CAT scan and found something critical and, and, and should be taken care of right away and says, well, I'll get back to you next fall. You know, I'll, I'll let you know at that point. It would, that would be medical malpractice. So $2 billion on that. I say we should take two billion dollars and start bringing, start bringing uh, more, more Michaels, more, more Daniels, more Carols. Bring more fun. Bring more joy. Let's let's bring it back. I, I love the idea that uh, put down your phone, put down your phone. And I, I had to write in the in the box. I had to write. Well, not that's not only kids. That's adults too. Because I'm finding myself walking around this beautiful campus looking at my phone, and I've got all kinds of trees and all kinds of colors, and I'm probably missing. Of my friends passing by while while you're there just in the back i want you to in look take a look if you have access to your keyboard put down how people can get in touch with you you can tell us first tell us so carol how would we get in touch with you if i wanted to contact you or how do i get these storytelling people do i uh, just like yell out the window the, uh, connecticut Sto look up connecticut storytelling center it's constory.org um but but just if Connecticut storytelling, as somebody said, the director described us as the best kept secret in Connecticut. But we we work with about from seven to ten thousand kids a year um, going into their classrooms, helping them bring out, helping them tell stories and express themselves and, and appreciate that we go. To, we bring in stories that uh, tie into whatever you're working on. If you're doing multicultural stories or some other kind of program, we have all kinds of programs. Um, I'm uh, carolglennproductions.com. And uh, oh, there we go. Oh, there you go. There it is. Const oh, there you go. Const there you go. Got it, got there it. You go. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Find us there. You'll find out about our annual festival. It's in April. It's in New London, Connecticut. You'll find about our celebration shows that we send out to schools and libraries and things all over in November and our schools program. That's the part that I work on the most. And I, I send storytellers into schools all over the place. And we come for one visit or we come for extra lots of visits. We can send you one storyteller. We could send you five. Um, it, it's awesome. So. All right, daddy -os. You got to tell us because I don't want to just shout, shout out the window. Daddy O's, where are you? <laughs> tell us how I find you. So, so to book us, you can find, we sent our email address on the, through chat. Um, uh, to, to, so to book us, you can find us through that email address. Um, the Daddy O's actually just unified this May. We formed yeah. our LLC. Um, so we still have our separate parts. Uh, Mike is real world. I am. Um, the four B's before good night. Uh, so you can find me at um, www.the4b's before good night. And um, uh, Mike, you can find him on Instagram. Uh, Instagram, Griot World Harlem. Uh, if you IG, Griot World Harlem, that's G R I O T World Harlem. So uh, H A R L E M. Uh, so G R I O T. Uh, W-O-R-L-D-H-A-R-L-M, Real World Harlem on Instagram. And you can reach us at 860-680-3235. And um, again, bookings at thehivebuilders.com. Bookings at thehivebuilders.com. Um, or more about the, the economy at beforegoodnight, the4bees.com. Beforegoodnight, the4bees.com.
You can always find, we can always find any of these, just in case you, you didn't hear all the, the hashtags and the addresses. You can always contact Dr. Turner. CCSU, just put in Dr. Turner, the CCSU Literacy Center. I can tell you how to find Michael. I can tell you. I now know where to find Daniel. I can find Carol. They're ready. We've got them. And yes, we are. More and more of this. So we're down to our, our last, like, 30 seconds and stuff. Maybe, Daddy O's, can you give us a give us that song again? Which Tell one? The story train? Us, you, you could do, well, we love them all. Children and of all nations, here's your invitation. It's time for the story train. Ba -da -ba -da -ba. Your imagination sets the destination. When you're on the story train, come on and get on the story train. Won't you come and play? Get on board today and let's explore on the story train. Get your ticket, come and play. And that's it for today, folks. Sorry, Carol. We're, Harry's giving me the, the sign that he's going to turn in the music, turn on the music on us and stuff. What a blessing. Thank you. I can't believe that we have to tell the world that we need to have joy. Uh, we have to have music. We need to have art. We have to have movement. I can't believe we have to tell our policymakers and our legislators that. Thank you. Thank you. It was a blessing. Thanks for having Thank us. You. Thank you. As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen I'm never quitting on my mission, I'ma roll with what I'm giving Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing Better watch the way you going, better go in the right direction In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings And I know that for certain, keep on working, open curtains Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version Whoa. I'm never gon' give up, give up Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah Cause this is my road you're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHHLP 103.5 SM, your home for community radio.